0: Hello and welcome to Creative Lives, the Lecture in Progress podcast. Lecture in Progress is an online resource that inspires and informs the next generation of talent by providing practical advice and insight into the creative industry. This podcast series features a broad range of people talking about what they do and how they got to where they are. Our guest this week is Serena Abassi. Hi, my name is Serena
1: Abassi and I am the Worldwide Head of Culture and Inclusion at m and Saatchi
0: Group. Serena's work is entirely focused on combating the lack of diversity in the industry, promoting inclusivity and representation, along with education around unconscious bias and the value of different viewpoints. Alongside this, she's also studying for an MA in post-colonial Culture and Global Policy, as well as serving as an advisory board member for diversity-promoting platform The Other Box. We hear about Serena's day-to-day and her varied path leading up to this point, from her upbringing to founding All Here, the platform she ran to help brands and agencies take a more conscientious approach. An
1: average day, oh wow, it really varies. And so there's like the strategic partnership side of things. So how do we make sure that... We start reflecting all the lovely local communities um, that aren't really present within our walls and I think the best way to do that is by bringing them in so we offer out our space to various different people, um, small organisations that don't have space available to them to use. So that's a way of us kind of bringing in different communities into MNC Saatchi and also for people to know that this space is for them. And then there's the advising and consulting and like lobbying for things that I really believe in. So they then turn into policies. There's also programming as well. We have lots of different programs that run throughout the year. One that launched yesterday, which is masculinity and male mental health. And actually, we're using that as a way to open up the conversation about our gender disparity. That actually is an industry-wide issue, as we know. However, what I will say is there's such a huge onus on entrepreneurship. I really just feel like I've brought my small business in-house, which is really, really great. I've got so much autonomy. It's amazing. And because they really do respect the fact that, you know, I know what I'm doing and actually I'm an expert in this space. They've given me complete free reigns, which is amazing. It's quite freeing, actually. But also I'm very present to the fact that I am within an institution And I think because of the nature of what I do, I need to make sure that I don't become institutionalised, you know? So I try to work remotely as much as possible, to take myself away from 36 Golden Square, not because I don't like it, I really, really enjoy it. Though I just think it's really important that I keep that distance and that actually I just keep on engaging with all the different local communities that are underrepresented within our organisation. So yeah, I spend a lot of time just like, in co-working
0: spaces, mingling with lots of amazing, amazing, wonderful people. MNC Saatchi knew it had to create a step change in its business around diversity and inclusion, from policies to culture, and so decided to look externally to find something, or rather someone, unique. I was hired in,
1: obviously I had to interview for the job, I wasn't just plucked, um, but I was headhunted and... I was actually also referred for the role as well and I was interviewed by the incredible Victoria Fox who is one of the biggest inspirations to me. She was the global diversity sponsor and she was also the CEO of the then largest company within the UK group and she worked four day week and a mother of two and a wife like just one of the most beautiful people. And so she hired me. And I think, actually, if Vic hadn't been there, I don't know whether I would have been hired because I don't have industry credentials. I have some. You know, I've kind of worked on, like, the Industry-Wide Diversity Task Force. I've consulted for that. But I don't really have, you know, I haven't worked for lots of agencies. And I think our industry is so bound and wedded to credentials in that way. However, Vic just she saw something in me and she could see how different I was and that's exactly what she felt M&C needed. Lee, I can definitely see that since my appointment, there have been many, many more diversity and inclusion roles across actually all different industries. In fact, which is amazing to see because it's also quite a difficult role to define because it doesn't sit within HR. However, it has the ability to inform HR and policies. So it's yeah it's it, it yeah it it kind of it's this separate entity and. You know, I'm quite lucky. I've got, you know, I've got an incredible assistant, um, culture and inclusion assistant. I've also got all the co-chairs that look after the five different employee led networks that we have. So I've got a really great support system. But my worry is for other people going into these types of roles that don't have those support systems set up or just don't have the finances to set them up, because a lot of these roles don't have a budget attached to them. There is progress. However, I don't feel that it's fast enough to keep up with the outside world. What we've done at MSC Saatchi, we've like totally embedded our diversity inclusion strategy into our business strategy now. And something that we do, we acquire businesses, we create businesses with people We've really reframed what diversity, inclusion and accessibility looks like for us, which is wonderful. And something that I speak about a lot at work, because I work directly with the global CEO, is, you know, societies are changing. Our society is changing. We have to move with that change. So, yeah, we're moving You know, as an industry, we're progressing, but we're not progressing fast enough. It takes time and it takes really dismantling yourself to really be self-reflective and actually see that, you know, meritocracy is a myth. Actually, We've got here based on, it could be whiteness, it could be abled bodiness. All these different things have meant that we have been able to gain access into a space, obviously, and that's not even going into social capital. You know, who do you know? Your network. You know, your network is your net worth, as they say. So, yeah, we're doing a lot of work to kind of look at the systemic issues because essentially our business is just a microcosm for society. However... It's deep work, and it's quite painful, and it means looking at the power and looking at where power lies within us and within the organisation. And also, I suppose, being willing to give up some power to a degree, um, which isn't comfortable for many people.
0: Serena shares details of a difficult upbringing, but one that has led to greater empathy and understanding, now an essential part of her role. I had a very violent upbringing and, and, you know,
1: I know most people probably don't talk so candidly about their selves and their upbringing, but I think it's also really important to talk about violence and all the different parts that kind of make us who we are. And I've definitely been very, my, my personality and the way that I see the world and power has been very much informed by the physical violence that we had in our family. But also, something that I do within my job, and this kind of relates to all the different experiences that I've had, is that, you know, my father was really violent when we were growing up. And I soon realised you could be violent, but you can also be an amazing person at the same time. You can, you know, we're multifaceted. We have all these different sides to us. And I have an incredible relationship with my dad. It hasn't always been that way. But I also accept that violence was part of him he's he's no longer violent which is great he's grown out of it but also the inheritance of violence you know my mother was brought up in a very violent household and it's just something that I've always been really conscious of not to repeat that and touch wood, I haven't but also I don't think you can do my role without being incredibly empathetic and That empathy that I have has been informed by all these different experiences that I've had and have had to try and manage on an emotional level, but also on an intellectual level. Like, why is someone violent? You know, and just, yeah, understanding those reasons. Um, Though, obviously, nothing can excuse violence. I'm not, I'm not excusing violence in any way, but I'm always interested in the why and I always
0: have been, so. With early dreams of becoming a fashion designer, it was a period of living in Iran aged just 18 that reset Serena's aspirations, resulting in a change of path once she returned to the UK. I did a foundation at London College of Fashion, an
1: art foundation, but I'd done that foundation after having lived in Iran for eight months. Um, So I moved to Iran when I was 18 for eight months, and it just completely just changed my view on the world. You know, I think I'd lived such a cocooned existence, So yeah, so just living in Iran and then coming back to London to go to LCF to do my art foundation, I was no longer that person that I had been, you know, eight months prior, a year prior. And I really tried to make it work and I was like, you know, maybe I just don't want to be a designer anymore. So I went into styling and really just didn't like the fashion industry very much. All that empathy, which I think is very integral to who I am, just wasn't present for me there so I graduated and I I, sometimes I feel like in another life I will be a fine artist I will be a performance artist everyone was telling me that I was good enough to pursue it but I don't come from money and actually when I hit kind of 18 19 20 that's when I saw both my parents financial situation completely change and so I was very very present to the fact that um I didn't want to be broke and I didn't have enough role models. You know, all the artists that I knew had odd jobs on the side or they were lecturing, which there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But if you're forced into a situation where you have to do that rather than you're choosing to do that, um, I just didn't want that for myself. Yeah, a lot of people don't know this, but my first job was actually working um, for Saatchi. (laughs) <laughs> Which is quite strange. I don't even think my boss knows this. So yeah, I worked for Charles Saatchi, um, Saatchi Gallery when it was on the South Bank, right next to the Eye. And it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's interesting
0: how things kind of come back round. Having lived in so many different countries, Serena tells us how travelling and living abroad has helped her understand the benefit of uniting a wide range of backgrounds and experiences so, yeah, I've lived in a fair few countries. As I mentioned, I lived in Iran. Also,
1: spent a lot of my childhood in Canada because my dad's sister um, lives in Vancouver, so we would literally get carted off for, like, three months. 90 days, because that's as long as our visa would allow us. Every year from the age of 8 to about 17, 18. No, 17. So I was in Iran at 18. Post-18, I'd lived in the Netherlands, so I worked on a music project in the Netherlands. Lived in America, trying to really find my feet as a performer. So yeah, lived in lots of different places and also um, fell in love with a beautiful Basque woman. And we moved to Madrid so she could do a masters. She's still a really good friend of mine. So yeah, lots of different experiences. I'm very much moved by my heart. and, And I always just say that all the experiences that you have, they're like, you know, shiny pearly buttons that you just embellish yourself with. You know, you might not see how that experience is going to lead to something, but it will at some point. It will give you an access point. It will give you an opportunity to
0: connect with another person in a really profound way, and you never know where that connection will take you. Next, Serena tells us how her art eventually informed the founding of her business, All Here. You know, when I was making art, it was always about helping people
1: connect to themselves so they can better connect to each other. And when I got back from the Netherlands, I felt like there was just a more direct way or a different way that I could do that. So, is it through education? So, like inclusivity training, which I still run. Is it through, you know, talks, like so interactive talks, inclusivity training? Is it through bringing different types of people to work on different creative briefs? So I was running a creative hackathon for a period of time. So I decided to set up this small little business. It doesn't exist anymore. The reason I decided to set it up is that I felt that, I can't remember the name of this African-American musician, but you may have come across it in an article, where he decided to travel around America to where the KKK were quite prominent um, in different parts of the US. And he would go to their meetings and he would talk to these KKK members as an African-American man. And through just that process of connecting and being proximate to someone that has a completely different viewpoint to you, lived experience to you, their minds opened and actually he was about 300 people that had left the KKK just due to being in proximity and sharing and having a willingness to kind of understand a different perspective on the world. And, And that's why I decided to go into it and I could just see that there was a huge lack of education. When I lived in the US, you know, amongst my white friends, I was their only friend of colour. Amongst my black friends, I was their only friend that didn't just identify as black, I also identify as Asian, mixed race.
0: So um, that was the driving force. Finally, Serena gives us her advice for both those wanting to get into the industry and those wanting to make the industry work for them.
1: Yeah. So I'd like to give two bits of advice or a few bits of advice, but the advice from a standpoint of how do I get into the industry? And then once you're in the industry, how do you make it work for you? So our industry, like most industries are based on nepotism. And the reason why that's still very much alive within our industry is because when a business doesn't have essential recruitment function and the recruitment then falls upon line managers for instance to do the recruitment on top of the mammoth day jobs already then they're just going to take the easy route which is they're just going to hire someone that they worked with in an agency a couple of years ago and by bringing that person in there's you trust them So there's that. And then there's also the affinity bias, like that person reinforces things about yourself. So that's why we've got a very homogenous industry. That's one of the reasons. So building up your network is an absolute imperative. Um, You can do this in so many different ways. Like social media is so amazing. You can access pretty much anyone. Like our worldwide CEO, Murray, is on Instagram and his Instagram is completely open, you know? It's it's just fabulous, and um, and I know that's quite rare because I don't think most people of his seniority would ever be as open as he is. Um, so yeah, so build up your network. The best advice that I can give, and this is what I did. So there was someone that I wanted to meet, and I just knew that this person, if I were, was able to meet her, she could really open up things for me within the advertising industry, and she did. And however. She wasn't responding to any of my emails. So I looked on her website and I could see who sat on her advisory board. And I was like, right, I can see that person is speaking at an event um, with someone that I actually know. So I went to that event, obviously said hi to my friend, and then made a beeline to this person that sat on the advisory board of the person that I wanted to be introduced to. And I was just really, really open with her. I was like, I really want an introduction to this person. I've sent multiple emails. She's ignoring them. Will you introduce me? And nothing works like a referral. Like, you know, when someone actually makes that personal, because it's about humanising, isn't it? You know, you're not just an email, you're actually a person um, that someone that you trust has met and, and is putting you forward. So this person made the introduction and things just completely opened up. However, when I came to meet this person who I'd been wanting to meet with, who I'd been sending emails to even, You have to make a real point of adding value to them. It's not about just taking, 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 taking. And I think that's where most people go wrong with the idea of networking. You know, if you're a busy person, there are so many people that want a bit of your time. I can tell you from personal experience, the amount of emails that I get and requests for like a coffee or a cuppa. And so yeah, if you can actually bring some value to someone, that's what I've done with all the people that I've connected with I've tried to give value to them. and that's why I also have those relationships still. Those relationships are actually turned into like real deep, meaningful friendships. So that's a way to get into the industry. And another way is you know once you're actually in the industry is find a mentor and find a sponsor. So difference between mentorship and sponsorship. A mentor is someone that does something very similar to you or someone that you aspire to be like um, in regards to their profession or even personally. It's about them helping guide you through that process. And then a sponsor is um, someone that can actually open doors for you. And when, when you are someone that is of an underrepresented group, you need to have a really... Robust support network system around you for your emotional, mental sanity um, because it can be really emotionally taxing being the lone voice within a space and not always having your voice heard. What advice would I give to someone that wants to do something similar to what I'm doing? So if you're already within an organisation, say, and you have a real keen interest in diversity and inclusion... You could, I suppose, just go to your CEO, and but you need to also really define the role where it's distinguished from not sitting within HR because I think traditionally it's added on to HR, but I see it as being something very different. And in all honesty, a diversity and inclusion role will mean something different for every single organization, you know, for MC Saatchi. It's very particular, one, because of the way that it's come about, I suppose, in some ways, and also because of what I've chosen to bring to it. And give them your reasons, you know, really pitch to them, you know, as if you were pitching a business, you know, pitch to them why you feel that this is needed and how is this different to what HR are doing or what other people are doing, say, like the marketing team in regards to programming, for instance. And if you aren't within an organisation, find a company that you feel really reflects you, if you can, which obviously is hard to do when you're not, you know, in the inside already, on the inside. Yeah, so find a business, find a company that really reflects you, which is obviously difficult to do if you're not um, in the inside already. And and pitch to them. And obviously there are loads of roles coming up. So, you know, just go on any job site and just see what, what exists already. But I think pitching to businesses is a great way to go, especially if you can really highlight the value that you as an individual will be bringing. You know, with M&C Saatchi, I was able to bring my network, even though for such a huge brand, they don't have a network that extends to underrepresented communities in the way that I do. So that's the value that I bring to them as a brand.
0: This episode of Creative Lives was brought to you by Lecture in Progress. It was presented by me, Indy Davis, and the guest was Serena Abassi. The editor was Ivor Manley. Lecture in Progress is made possible with the support of a number of brand partners. They include Jeff Smith, Google, Sky Creative Agency, Colophon Foundry, the Paul Smith Foundation, and Heffler & Co. For more information, check out lectureinprogress.com. And you can also find us on Instagram and Twitter.